Welcome to the West Point Church Podcast. Here you can find past and future messages. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates as soon as those sermons are posted. I hope you guys enjoy it. Have a good week. Before I dive into the message this morning, I want to catch you up in case you missed the first three messages of this series. Now, we started in Acts chapter 1 with Jesus commissioning his disciples to be witnesses. Then he ascended into heaven and he told the disciples to wait until the Holy Spirit came. Then, while they were waiting, they chose a replacement for Judas, a man named Matthias, because Judas had taken his own life. And then the Holy Spirit comes on the church and manifests in a miraculous way. Peter preaches a message to the whole neighborhood, and 3,000 people get saved. So we pick it up there in Acts chapter 3, and let's jump into the Word this morning. And would you just read this with me? Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple, the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful Gate, to ask for alms entering the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asks to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. Immediately his feet and ankles were made strong, and leaping up, He stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Wow, what an incredible, incredible story. This is just such an amazing picture of the healing power of our God. You know, one of the things that I've learned about God in this story is that often the thing that we're looking for is far less than the thing that God wants to do for us. Peter and John come across this guy, and he's in a desperate place. He's dependent on the people around him even to get to a place where he can beg for money. And when he sees Peter and John, he asks for money. That's what he does. And the first thing that Peter says to him is, look at us. Now that's interesting. I've never noticed that before looking at this text. Uh, Maybe Peter was wanting the man to look at him so that he realized who he was asking for money. He might have been saying, hey bud, I quit my job three years ago to follow around a homeless guy. I'm, he's from a poor family, I'm from a poor family, I don't have anything to give you. But I don't think that was the reason that he asked this man to look at him. You can tell by the way that the story is told that this man is ashamed. And Peter and John tell him to look at them in the eyes. They're saying there's no reason for you to be ashamed. Can I tell you something? Shame is one of the greatest hindrances to experiencing what God has for you. It comes from the enemy. And there are so many people who are missing a transformational experience 
because they are too ashamed to come to God as they are. Now, Peter's direction reflects exactly what God does for us. His call is to lift up your head. Don't let your past ruin your future. So Peter says, hey, we don't have any money. We're broke, but I'll give you what I have. And he reaches out his hand, and he lifts him up. And in Jesus' name, he says, get up and walk. And it says that in that moment, years of atrophy and waste are gone. And this man has never walked before. The Bible tells us he's lame since birth. He's never even stood up before. He went from being unable to stand to jumping up and down. (laughs) Now, last week we shared the story of the miraculous occurrence of Pentecost. And when the party spilled out of the house and onto the street, everyone took notice. And now it's happening again. You can imagine the scene. This man who has probably been sitting at this gate for years, trying to survive, is now running and jumping around and praising God. They would have all recognized him. In fact, it tells us in this passage that they did. Everyone would be trying to figure out what is going on here. Now here's verse 11 in chapter 3. Let's keep reading together. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter had addressed the people, he said, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or our piety that we've made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered and denied whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. You killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name by faith in his name, and made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back. Your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. And Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers, and you shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and from those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham and your offspring 
shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. So Peter tried this last week. His sermon was basically this. Y'all killed Jesus. You need to repent. He thought, well, that worked the first time. I'm going to try it again. But this guy, after testing out his new legs, probably dunking a basketball a few times, runs up to Peter and John, grabs onto them, and now all attention is focused on them. So Peter thinks, last time I preached, 3,000 people got saved. Let's try it again. And here's what I noticed. Peter's second sermon is pretty much the same thing as the first message. He points people to the resurrected Jesus Christ and tells them to repent. Can I tell you something? Every day you listen to sermons. You, you might be thinking right now, no, I don't, but you do. You may hear preaching at work about profit margins and marketing strategies. You may turn on the news and hear sermons about the balance of safety versus economic prosperity. You know, the other day, my two-year-old daughter was preaching to me about the importance of watching Daniel Tiger. It was a convincing sermon. You know, even in churches, you're going to hear a variety of topics that are preached on. Some churches preach on personal piety, others on social justice, others on community, but at this church, all of those issues are secondary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter's first sermon, second sermon, and I'm certain many sermons to come reflect the reason that Christ commissioned the disciples. And as the Apostle Paul said, we preach Christ crucified. Yes, we want you to be concerned about your spiritual growth. We want you to make a difference in the world. We want you to take care of the poor and the sick and the hurting. And we want you to have friendship and relationships with the body of Christ. But none of that should come at the expense of the gospel being preached. And it's our first objective and our ultimate goal. Now I want you to notice a few things about the words of Peter as he spoke on Solomon's porch. First of all, all the credit and all the glory is for Jesus alone. Peter says, why are you looking at us? It's not like we have power to heal anyone. We're just doing what God called us to do. Our call is to repentance. And this, once again, is the heart of Peter's message. It's about who Christ is and what our response needs to be in light of that. And so he highlights three things about repentance that I want to bring to you this morning. And if you have a pen, you want to jot these down, I encourage you to do that. The first one is that repentance brings forgiveness. Now Peter is pointing out the fact that eternity is at stake. There are eternal consequences to, to, to the decisions that you make. And I, I said this last week, you're either a sinner guilty of the murder of Jesus Christ, or you're forgiven. There's no in-between. You can't use the excuse, uh, I, I've given, I haven't given my life to Christ in repentance, but I'm still a pretty good person, right? It's either complete forgiveness and complete surrender or nothing at all. Now, it doesn't require perfection, but it does require a commitment to follow Jesus above your own personal desires. 
Second thing about repentance is that repentance brings refreshing. Now, I love reading legal thrillers, and, and one of my favorite authors is a guy named John Grisham, and he began his fictional career with a novel called A Time to Kill. And it was made into a movie, and it tells the story of the trial of a black man in the South named Carl Lee, whose daughter was raped and killed by two men. And taking justice into his own hands, he shot and he killed the men that had committed this crime. And throughout the course of this trial, it is clear that Carl did commit the crime that he was being accused of. But when it came time to vote on his guilt or innocence, the jury unanimously voted to acquit him. Now the book ends with the celebration of the freedom of a man who by the standards of the law deserved to be imprisoned. Now where you stand on the topic of vigilante justice is not the point of why I'm telling this story. It's to remind us that God's forgiveness does not mean that we are innocent of the reasons for our condemnation. Rather, it means that God has pardoned us in our guilt and declared us not guilty at all. We don't have to endure the consequences of our wrongdoing. He's exempted us from the punishment that our sin deserves. And there's so much relief in the fact that we've escaped that punishment. It's not just the eternal forgiveness of sins. It's the peace that comes from being forgiven. People search all over the world for peace and wealth and fame and success, even family and other human relationships, but they'll never truly find it there. True peace that goes beyond our ability to understand only comes from Him. The third thing is that repentance brings blessing. Now, uh, he, he has something to say to the audience. Peter has something to say to the audience that day that's pretty remarkable, and I'm going to say it to you this morning. You are the fulfillment of the prophecies of Moses. I bet you didn't know that, but it's true. Peter quoted Moses saying, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet. And then he said to the, the audience that day, you are the sons of the prophet. You are the fulfillment of the promise of God. And you are the ones that will fulfill God's promise to Abraham, saying that through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. See, up to this point, Jews were the only recipient of the promises of God. But he promised Abraham a long time ago that it wasn't just for him and it wasn't just for his family, but through his descendants, all the earth would experience the blessing of God. And this was that moment in history when God was opening the door to the world and inviting them into covenant relationship with him. Not the covenant that had been extended to Abraham or to Noah or to Moses, but because of Jesus, a new covenant was extended and the full requirement was met for us by Jesus. Now this truth is for you too. You are a spiritual son of Abraham. You are the key to God's blessing for the people around you. This prophecy thousands of years before you were born was about you. What a promise. Now this story uh, ends just like a novel with a happy ending, right? They all become one big happy church family. Actually, it's a little bit different than that. 
Let's keep reading into the first couple verses in chapter 4. Here's verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, and they were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of men came to be about 5,000. Now, wait a second, Peter. I thought you said repentance leads to blessing, but you're going to jail for it. You know, here's where we get it wrong, church. Blessing is not comfort, it's not material gain, it's not even happiness. I'm sure Peter and John were, were pretty miserable as they sat in jail. However, the blessing is in verse 4. It says that many who heard believed, and 5,000 men came to faith that day. Repentance may cost you a great deal, but there is not a greater reward than the blessing of God's kingdom being built through you. That is his promise for us. And before we conclude our time together in a time of worship, I'd like to take a second and address our plans for the weeks to come and explain why we're doing what we're doing. This past week, we received some discouraging news from the governor's office regarding their plans for places of worship to reopen. This was followed shortly after that by President Trump's announcement declaring the right of churches to open their doors this weekend. And after prayer and thoughtful consideration, we as a leadership team have decided to stay the course on our plan to reopen services with an outdoor service on June 7th and two indoor services on June 14th. Now, in order to make that happen, there are a lot of things that we need to put in place, and that's why we're waiting till then to officially open our doors in that way. And the CDC has released a bunch of new guidelines for houses of worship, so we're working through that with our leadership team, and we want to open as soon as we can do that safely and resume services. So, um, now I know for a fact that there are a wide range of opinions of whether or not this is the right thing to do, and I don't expect for a second that everyone listening to this right now will agree with my conclusions or our conclusions as a leadership team. That being said, I'm asking that we would not let the enemy drive a wedge between us in this as a church. It's critical that we continue to love and honor each other throughout this process. And if you aren't comfortable returning to church yet or feel that this is the wrong thing to do, we are not asking you to ignore those convictions. And we hope that you'll continue to join us online and worship with us in the way that you see fit. And continue to pray for us as leaders as well. Additionally, for those of you who are in agreement, we'd ask that you would be respectful of those who have reservations or feel differently. It's easy for us to blur the lines between our American standing and our rights as Americans, and then the fact that we're also members of the kingdom of God, and that we're members of that kingdom first. So it's okay to disagree, but let's 
avoid venting our frustrations, especially on social media. Listen, nothing good comes from those attempts and those posts, and they often leave a wake of hurt and anger. This is not a Republican versus Democrat issue for us. It's a matter of listening to the Holy Spirit and making the best decision that we believe is right. So let's be an example of love to the world that is hurting and desperate right now. Let's continue to point them to the only solution to their problem. Let's, as Peter did, continue to preach Jesus and who he is. Preach him crucified and preach his resurrection. Now, we're going to join in in worship this morning, but before we do, I want to close in prayer, and maybe um, you want to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. I'd encourage you to do that. It'll be the greatest decision of your life, and I want to lead you in a prayer right now, if that's you. Maybe you're just here this morning, and um, you got some things going on, and repentance is the call that's tugging on your heart. Just as Peter called those people uh, on Solomon's porch to repentance, uh, that's God's call for us today, that we would be in a continual state of repenting and growing in our relationship with Christ. So would you join me in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're good. We thank you that you love us. And Lord, right now, uh, I pray with those who are maybe making a decision to follow you and to enter faith in you for the very first time. So we, as a church, pray with them right now. Heavenly Father, ask that you would come into my heart. Lord, that you would make me right before you. That you would take my sinfulness and my brokenness and make me white as snow. I admit that I'm a sinner and that I need your help. I repent of that sin and choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer this morning, we want you to go to westpoint.org slash yes. And uh, there's a short form that you can fill out there. We want to hear about what God is doing in your life. We want to hear about how he's, he's touching you and how he's transforming you. And we want to help you with the next step in your journey. So help us out, fill that out, and uh, we'd love to help you on your journey in following Christ.